Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the fourth in our series on the Psalms. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, this is number four, which means that you can go back and check out the intro, which talks about the Psalms as a whole. Mm-hmm. And then the other ones on the other forms of psalms. Psalms of praise. Yes. And psalms of corporate lament. Yes. So this one we're going to talk about personal or individual lament. So give me a quick little overview. As we said last week, so again, go on back and listen to last week if some of this stuff you want a little bit deeper intro, we're going to skip and kind of move on through some of this stuff, but... Lament is grief. It's that voicing of grief, the voicing of hard emotions, things that are not stuff we normally talk about. No, we scoot on through grief in Real this quick. culture. Real quick. You just need to get over that. Well, it kills productivity mm-hmm. when someone's grieving. And so if you can give someone three days off for the death of a spouse and expect them to be ready to come right on back to productive work... Mm-hmm. Clearly, we have an issue in our country about giving room for lament, that big emotion, that big grief when big things happen. Mm -hmm. And the Psalter, these five books of 150 Psalms, throughout the entire Psalter, there are many Psalms about that kind of grief. And they fall into two categories, either the corporate, which is the big event that encompasses an entire community, And Mm -hmm. so it's a group grief or individual lament. Now, you can have the same event and have people grieve as a big group and have people grieve as individuals. Mm -hmm. But it's a very different grief, right? The kind of grief that you have as a big group and the kind of grief you have as an individual, you get through it in different ways. Yeah. I'm going to use 9-11 as an example. Mm -hmm. Pretty much the entire country had grief. Yep. But the people who were at Ground Zero had their own personal touches to it that are going to be different. Absolutely. And you can even zoom in closer on that Mm -hmm. and say beyond the corporate grief of the country, you have, for example, the grief of the firefighting community. Sure. Right. And the emergency response personnel. And that's something that affected the entire community of the emergency responders and the deep grief that they walked with in losing so many. And you might still have had a family member. Sure. So you can see how it's a very specific thing that a group experiences something Mm -hmm. and there are individual traumas within that. Mm -hmm. So our corporate laments, you can catch that when you're reading the Psalms by looking for the subject of the Psalm, the person speaking, not necessarily the author, but the subject of the Psalm saying, we or us, mm-hmm. God, why have you abandoned us? And that clues you in that it's a group lament. And for more on that, go back and listen to last week. Yep. Or you'll see, God, why have you abandoned me. Mm -hmm. And that is when you're talking about the personal grief and the personal journey through grief. So why do you feel the need to split them? I mean, this is ancient, right? This goes back to long before Jesus's day. This is, the Psalms are way older than Christianity. They're from the Hebrew scripture. I think that they get separated because they are such distinct experiences. Okay. 
And they're important. Both of those kinds of griefs are important to honor, to find a way through, and to give the words for. And these kind of griefs have been happening since civilization began. Mm -hmm. And again, when we look at the Psalter and we can see that these kinds of griefs have been happening for millennia, and it can help us not feel so alone, and it can give permission for the emotions. Sure. So not only can it give permission for the emotions on like the corporate level, on the big group level, we are all really angry and we all want vengeance, but then it can give permission for the like, I feel like everyone is against me. Okay. I feel like I am being targeted. And those kind of emotions, giving us words and validating that experience and validating that experience with historical connection to a huge line of people who have felt this way, sometimes even that normalization can take the edge off the grief. Okay. Remind me again what it looks like as a personal lament. How would you go about classifying it? And this is that kind of anatomy sheet. So we have these. If you get your podcast from iTunes, you can come over to centralportland.org and click on the podcast button and you'll find our actual blog posts. And on those blog posts, you'll be able to find these PDFs to pull down. And the anatomy of a prayer for help for an individual or a personal lament, it's really, really, really similar to the corporate lament. Sure. The main difference is just that shift from we to I. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we start out with a complaint, and the complaint is aimed, again, directly at God. It's not a complaint about other people. It's not a complaint about... It's not about, Joe down the street. Right, right. Did well, me wrong. Right. Why is this jerk doing this? For example, I'm going to be looking at Psalm 13 for okay. the example of this, because it's a nice six-verse psalm, short and sweet, but it shows us all the different pieces. Okay. So if you have a Bible near you, open it up to Psalm 13. If you have a computer or access to an internet near you, you can go to BibleGateway.com and type in Psalm 13. And I'm looking at the uh, New Revised Standard Version here. So we start out Psalm 13 with, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Mm. Right? Digging straight at it. Mm -hmm. Like, God, you've abandoned me. Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It's an important piece of a lament that the complaint goes right to God. Mm -hmm. And so this is the personal frustration of God's inaction, the expression of that. And again, the subject is me or I. And it's similar. Corporate lament, again, begins with a direct complaint against God, a direct charge against God Mm -hmm. from us. The next step is a call for help. And this is this cry to God for deliverance from whatever is happening. So we see in verse 3 of Psalm 13, consider and answer me, O Lord my God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. So God, please help me. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And everybody's going to be so thrilled that I am not being successful. So please give me help. Right? It's that cry for help. The next step is what every lament always moves to. And if the lament doesn't move to it, read the next psalm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so although there's no specific rhyme or reason why psalms are put into the order that they are that scholars can find, sometimes they are sort of grouped together. And sometimes when you see a lament that does not go in the direction I'm about to describe, Read the next psalm 
and you will find these actions. Okay. So the next thing it does is it goes to an affirmation of trust in God. So you complain to God, you say why you're complaining, you ask for help, and you move to an affirmation of trust. So verse five, but I trusted in your steadfast love and my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. That movement. And finally, we end with a vow to praise God. I will sing to the Lord because God has dealt bountifully with me. And so a psalm of lament, personal or corporate, names the grief, asks for help, a vow to trust, and a promise to praise. And I'm just going to read what I put on the bottom of this sheet. So if you've got the sheet, you can read along with me, but... I don't know if I'm going to come up with a better way to say it, so I'm just going to read it. Okay. In a psalm of lament, we are given words to speak our own deep sorrows, angers, frustrations, and other dark emotions. However, we are not left in that space for long. The psalmist moves us into asking God for help with these difficult emotions and situations, and from there, into trust and praise. Often, the darker the starting emotion, the stronger the praise at the end of the psalm realizing that if the particular psalm you're reading does not reach that point, keep going, don't stop, don't get stuck in the grief. Exactly. Okay. And I think, again, as I was saying last week on the conversation about corporate lament, part of why I think laments are so powerful and what such important tools for our current climate and culture is that even if we do start to engage grief, oftentimes we get stuck in it. Oh, totally. And we don't know how to go through it. So we either try to get over it and stuff it down and ignore it, or we get caught in the trap of it and we don't know what the next step is or how to say there's a way through. And so the laments show us, one, that these emotions are valid, Mm -hmm. that they're human and they're normal and they're okay. And no matter how dark they get... Because some of these psalms of lament get pretty dark. Well, that was going to be my next question Mm -hmm. is the corporate laments we had talked about being pretty violent in their imagery. Mm -hmm. Are the personal ones just as or sometimes even more so? I don't know that they're more so, but they can be as violent. Okay. Especially when you have someone telling their story about persecution. Sure. And so that move from the story of hurt to God, you are bigger than this, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to stand with you, and not the imperative praise, right? This isn't a psalm of praise that ends with the imperative, praise God. It ends with, I will praise you. Mm -hmm. I will sing your songs. I will do this. And in some ways, it's almost a fake it till you make it. (laughs) Which is a decent coping mechanism. Right? It's a real thing. You practice an emotion enough over time, eventually you might actually begin to feel it when you're not feeling it. And especially in times of grief, it's not that we are denying. There's no denial of the dark stuff when we're reading a lament, right? There's no denial that there's pain and anguish and anger and desire for vengeance and even violence. But there is this kind of move towards something different and a move towards letting God be the one who takes the next steps. You had talked about which particular translation that you were reading from. For the laments, 
Is there a huge difference from translation to translation or version to version? Great question. And I probably would have wanted to have covered this in the first podcast, and I didn't think of it. So thank you for asking. Sure. The Psalms, because they're poetry, it's difficult to translate them. Oh, yeah. Right? Like I poetry... mean, translations are difficult in and of themselves, mm-hmm. but then you're trying to get imagery of poetry. Exactly. It's dicey at best. Very dicey. And so keep that in mind when you're reading the Psalms. Because then what you can do is you can look at a whole variety of translations. That's part of why I really like BibleGateway.com. You can get more than one? You can get hundreds. Mm, Okay. You can get not just a dozen or more in English, but then you can go to German and Spanish and French and Dutch. And you can find a whole bunch of different languages. And it was in this class on Psalms that I took that Dr. Lindbergh was really insistent to say, if you have a second language available or a third or even a fourth, use it, use it, Mm. read the Psalms in that other language, because you're going to get a greater nuance by opening up the opportunities for different translators to enter the poetry in a different way. And so a couple of pieces. One, I read that assignment that I've talked about that I'm encouraging folks to do during these six weeks is to read an entire book of Psalms and keep a journal. Mm-hmm. And I found the New Jerusalem translation. Oh, interesting. And the poetry of the New Jerusalem translation is beautiful. Anywhere that they're translating poetry, it's really beautiful. And so the Psalms in that translation are just gorgeous. Interesting. I just loved them. So that was the translation that I read for my assignment. Mm -hmm. It's not a translation I use 99% of the time, but the Psalms in it for devotional reading are really beautiful. Don't know whether or not that's on Bible Gateway. They might be copyrighted and not be available on there, but you can find them in bookstores and Amazon and different places like that. We touched on this briefly when we were doing Psalm 23 specifically Mm -hmm. and how... For some people, if you're going to use it in a funeral situation, there are particular lines that you really want to hear. Yep. So for that reason, I would encourage people, if you are going to go down this little rabbit hole, pick something that you might be familiar with and see how it changes because it will be more obvious to you. Yeah, totally. And I have to say, there was a moment, I don't know if it was a, I doubt that it was a lament. It was probably one of the enthronement psalms because there's so many of them in book four, which is the one I read. But when I read it in French, because that's my secondary language, for those of you who know romance languages, there's Mm -hmm. the formal version of you and there's an informal version of you. Mm -hmm. So in French, that's the vous and the tu Mm -hmm. form. And when it got to things like Psalm 13 and how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? I was assuming... That it would be the formal, even though it was speaking to a singular, right? Because that be you're the, talking God, which you're seems talking to formal. God, which is formal. And so I assumed it would be the vu form of will you forget me? And it's the two form. Mm, it's the familiar. Mm-hmm. It's that form of someone you know. And when I read that for the first time in a psalm, I literally put the book down and just sat there like, whoa, mind blown mm-hmm. because it's. It takes the formality that I had experienced in the Psalms before Mm -hmm. to a whole different place. I mean, it's okay when we're talking about Psalms of praise, but when we're talking about lament and you're talking to God in that familiar form, 
sometimes you would even use the vu form for your parents out of respect, mm-hmm. right? But the two form is like for your buddies, for your friends, for people you know. You know, one-on-one, it's not even, you know, use the vu form whenever there are two people or more that you're talking to because mm-hmm. it's the plural. And so that it's a one, one being familiar enough to use that informal you. Mm-hmm. And for that to be the case when you're talking about your deepest and your darkest hurts and faults and darknesses is incredibly powerful, Mm -hmm. I think. And had I not encountered it in another language, because we don't have different kinds of you in English, and they're not going to be like, hey, y'all, right? Like, Not the same. Not the same. So I encourage you, play with the translations, look it up, and there's a whole bunch of them. And some are more poetic than others, and maybe you'll have similar kind of a moment with it. Excellent. So a little earlier we were talking about if the lament leaves you hanging in grief, Mm -hmm. keep reading. Do you have a specific example of that? I do, and it's one that is really important within our Christian tradition around the use of the Psalms. And it's because... It's the psalm that Jesus is singing on the cross. Mm, okay. So we have in, in our Gospels where we see Jesus say, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, or... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Bingo. Mm-hmm. Right? That is the first verse of Psalm 22. So in the same way that if I said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound... Mm-hmm that the gathered people would have in their mind that saved a wretch like me Mm -hmm. because it's a familiar song. It's a story of the people. It's a story that's within our hearts. Psalm 22, Jesus just saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is enough to conjure the entire Psalm in the hearts of the people around him. Okay. But those of us not being the people around him. mm -hmm. If you read through the entire psalm, which is 31 verses, Mm. it ain't short. No. You are going to find all the pieces of the personal lament. Why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Why have you abandoned me? And then a call for help. Verse 2, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, but find no rest. Right away, there's a call to trust, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Right? So there's a bit, things can kind of move around and shift around. Okay. But then you get all this stuff about bulls encircle me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. My bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. All this terrible stuff that is being experienced. Very much the journey of the cross. Mm-hmm. Right? And it moves to this vow to trust in God, but it doesn't necessarily end on a praise. There's some trust in there. But if you move from Psalm 22 directly to Psalm 23, Psalm 23 ends with strong praise. Mm -hmm. And I will give glory to God all the days of my life. Surely I will dwell in the house of my Lord forevermore. Okay. Right. So Psalm 22 and Psalm 23, when you pair them, you get this incredible journey from The pain and the anguish of the cross and the journey of the crucifixion all the way through then to Psalm 23 and this promise of God's presence and resurrection and hope. And it's an incredible pairing. 
And it's an incredible kind of journey to take. So I commend that, particularly in Holy Week. Okay. I think that if people aren't able to make it to Thursday and Friday services, that spending time with Psalm 22 and 23 on Thursday and Friday and Saturday is a good option. Okay. But it's not a pretty psalm. It's a psalm of personal lament. Mm -hmm. So it's not pretty. It's filled with grief. It's filled with anguish. But it's powerful. Okay, that leads me to my last question. Individual versus corporate, which one is more helpful in your ministry? It really depends on the situation. I think that any time we can see grief is okay, and any time we can help people find a way through it is important. If that's in Sunday morning worship, when we look at corporate lament and see that it's okay as a group to lament. Okay. Or if that's an individual pastoral care and handing someone a psalm of lament and saying, you're not alone in feeling this, and you can find your way through it. And the modeling of it, the sense of the different pieces, so mm-hmm. having allowing people, encouraging people to write their own lament about their grief and being able to see examples of that so that it can be written out well. Sure. I think all of that is useful in ministry, just in different times and different contexts. Fair enough. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about personal lament psalms. I look forward to sitting down with you next week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for joining us. It would be wonderful to hear from you, what you're thinking about these. If you have an experience with a psalm of personal lament that you would like or be willing to share, you can always email us at podcast at centralportland.org or leave us a note on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.